Welcome to Protecting Animal Welfare in Today's World, Building Unity Through Understanding, a series of podcasts sponsored by the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association and the College of Veterinarians of Ontario. I'm Agnes Pavelic, Manager of Government and External Relations with the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association, and I will be the host of this session. There are six sessions in this podcast series focused on veterinary medicine and animal welfare. This is session four, and today we are going to discuss the differences between neglect and abuse, as well as the ethical challenges that face veterinarians when confronted with such cases. I'm joined today by Scott Sylvia, a Senior Investigator and Program Development Officer with the Provincial Animal Welfare Services at the Ministry of the Solicitor General. I'm also joined by Dr. Albert Wimmers, who brings with him over 30 years of experience in veterinary practice. Dr. Wimmers is currently the National Medical Director at VetCare, a leading provider of veterinary medicine across Canada. We are also joined by Dr. Amy Bennett. Dr. Bennett is currently a veterinarian with Bennett Equine Veterinary Services, a team working towards bettering the health of their equine partners. Welcome to you all and thank you for joining me today. Scott, I'm wondering if we can perhaps start with you. Coming from the Provincial Animal Welfare Services Inspectorate, we know you review reports of neglect and abuse. How would you, from your experience, define the difference between abuse and neglect? Thanks, Agnes. It's a, it's a really good question. When we're talking about the difference between neglect and abuse, much of it has to do with evaluating all of the evidence that's available. Not everything is as clear-cut as what many people may think. There's uh, a number of different facets to the evidence. You know, what we're seeing, what our observations are, what the, you know, what the environment is like, what information is coming to us from, let's say, eyewitnesses or persons close to it. And also includes the human factor uh, with regards to the person themselves, whether it's the owner or the caregiver. In many cases, we find that there's usually not the fault of the owner. These are things that we take into consideration. The animal may be subject to neglect due to things like financial hardship or mental illness. An example would be, you know, a person who is elderly, who lives by themselves and having difficulty themselves. The aim in these cases is typically to identify the gaps in what we're seeing and to determine how we can provide the best help, not just to the animals, but to, to the owners as well. In, in many cases, we see them, you know, suffering along the way. And if there's a way that we can try to bridge that gap, we want to be able to do that both, you know, through our, our, our capacity and meeting with the individuals and, and, and reviewing these reports, but also in, in connecting with them. Thanks, Scott. That certainly touches on how varied and complex each scenario can be, uh, which may make my next question somewhat challenging, but I was wondering from your experience, um, what are some of the most common early warning signs that veterinarians should be aware of in terms of recognizing abuse or neglect? That's a very good question as well. And again, going back to you know what I said earlier with regards to evaluating all of the evidence, it's really dependent on you know, the uniqueness and, and, and the complexities of, of each case that we have. And it, not only just, you know, the complexities of the information that's coming to us, but, you know, the species of the animal that we're dealing with. And this is where, you know, the value and, and the importance of veterinarians comes in. If we're talking about, you know, neglect or abuse with regards to a lion or a horse versus, you know, a domestic animal, like a cat or a dog or a bird, we rely on the veterinarian's medical expertise in early stages in many cases. Because of their expertise, they have the capacity and, and, and the knowledge and the experience to be able to speak to things like, 
does the injury or the illness align with what information the owner is being provided it has provided to them the degree of the distress the animal is in from a medical perspective the behavior the answers of the owner do all of these match up with you know what they're seeing does the information match with the signs and the symptoms that's being presented there's other signs of neglect that can include and many of these things that we're talking about the cbo has has spoken about and often given indicators, very, very good indicators as to what veterinarians can look for when things when things are brought forward to them. If the animal is brought in by someone who is not the owner, this it's not certainly something that's a solid indicator, but these are things that you know the veterinarian may take note of. If it's another family member or if it's a good Samaritan, if there appears to be some delay or in, in seeking medical attention or medical treatment, uh, if there's aspects about you know, the condition of the animal, such as long nails, matted coat, if there's an indication of malnourishment or low body weight, while these are not, you know, solid indicators of abuse and neglect, there are things which will draw the attention of the veterinarian to certainly ask more questions and see if what's being told to them matches up with what they're seeing. These are all tools that the veterinarian can use to determine what the next steps are when it comes to how they're going to provide the treatment for the animal. And even when it comes to taking the next steps if they should report to animal welfare services. That's great, Scott. That's all really great information. I'm wondering if you can also speak to the fact that a veterinarian's role is to report based on suspicion and that they are not responsible for investigating or confirming the actual abuse or neglect. No, that's correct, Angus. That's very true. Veterinarians, uh, they need to have reasonable grounds to suspect that there's animal abuse. And all of the things we talked about previously are really good indicators and tools that they can use to be able to determine if something like this is happening. And again, this goes back to what I was speaking about earlier, about the human factor of what's going on. An animal may be brought in, which you know may fit all of those things that we just talked about, such as long nails, matted hair, that type of thing. And again, we, we take a look at the owner. There may be something happening with the owner, which is impacting the health and well-being of this animal because of the distinct role that they have with, their, with the medical knowledge to be able to determine the, the well-being of the animal and you know, the conversations that are having with the owner, it's very valuable, not only to the veterinarian, but to us as well, when we take the next steps. When veterinarians uh, report, if uh, because you know, they have a suspicion of what's going on, it's our responsibility to complete the investigation. And it can go in a number of different ways. Sometimes we're not looking at somebody, like I said, who's being a poor person or is intentionally neglecting or abusing an animal, we may go and we may find that you know there is something else that's happening here which is impacting the welfare of this animal. And in our role, we have the ability to be able to reach out to other resources and provide other resources. Sadly, there are times where we may actually have to intervene in order to be able to help that animal because the person may not be able to care for the animal anymore or what's happening with this animal is resulting in us being able to take steps in order to be able to provide the further treatment that they can no longer do. In cases like this, again, it's not about us seeking charges or having the person you know, before court. It's trying to find the best possible course of action for the animal. Speaking as to you know, how we can help veterinarians in this investigation process, if a veterinarian has questions about these types of things, they can call us, they can speak with us. We can help them with you know, a number of resources that we may have. If they're involved in the investigation process, for example, if we've had to remove an animal or a person is being charged, we can help them by preparing them for hearings, 
jobs. And if they need to speak with somebody else as to what would be more definitive in their role, if we're going to a warrant or we need their help with an inspection. And on, and on top of that, you know, also understanding to the veterinarian how difficult these situations are for veterinarians themselves. It's not easy for a veterinarian to, to do what they do. This is something that we've recognized for a long time and even more so in now in today's climate. There was recently an article that just came out today which spoke about you know, the, the pressures and strains that veterinarians are under because we have so few of them here in Canada and we don't want to overburden them any more than they already are. So being able to work alongside them and provide them with you know, as much resources as we can from, from our side is something that we want to encourage, we continue to encourage as we move forward. When we're talking about, you know, the moral dilemma of, you know, having to report something that they believe is wrong and the emotional distress that goes along with this. And even the, the hesitancy that goes on with having, you know, the risk of insulting or, or offending a client or a potential client. We, we understand this is difficult uh, for veterinarians and we don't want to compound that any more than is necessary. So working with them through the process is very important for us. Thank you for that, Scott. It's really important that veterinarians are aware of all the supports available to them should they be faced with these difficult situations. Dr. Wimmers and Dr. Bennett, as veterinarians, what do you think are the biggest stressors and moral dilemmas that face veterinarians around reporting suspicious cases? I also wonder if you can speak to the emotional toll it can take on a veterinarian facing this type of situation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I think as vets, we are really empathetic people who care deeply about our patients and of course our clients too. So making that decision to report in of itself has a, you know, an emotional toll that it takes on us. And then I've seen this firsthand potential backlash that follows after reporting. Even if you can do it in an anonymous way, sometimes the clients do you know, suspect who it was. And I've seen social media rants. I've seen bad reviews, threats of being sued. So I think that adds a really deep level of stress to the veterinarians. But I also think it's important at the end of the day to continue to be an advocate for the animal. And as was said previously, remembering that this is also a way to potentially help the client if you know, the neglect or potential abuse is coming from a place of financial hardship or illness from the owner, a way to, to help them and the animal. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The, uh, the concerns about stresses amongst the staff when you have to consider that there is potential neglect or uh, abuse and, and differentiating between neglect and abuse is, is really, really important, as Scott has already discussed. There's always three sides to every coin, and we need to take the time to do that. Currently, most of us are dealing with compassion fatigue, and we're really, really tired and, and stressed out. And so this adds another layer, which further complicates things. The backlash on social media is a very, very real possibility, and we see that time and time again. So that would be something that would be a concern for clinicians. I think... Scott also touched on it, as did Dr. Bennett, that quite often there's a lack of education or understanding or there's some difficult life circumstances. And so we need to always take that into account before we 
ever pull the trigger. And perhaps what we need to do is, is have that conversation with the client and do some education before we make that phone call. Thank you both for that. And thank you for sharing your experiences. For our closing question, Dr. Bennett, as a veterinarian working with equine, I was wondering if you can speak to whether it can sometimes be more challenging to confirm abuse and suspicion of neglect among large animals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, I don't have that small animal experience to compare to, but as an equine vet, most of my patients have multiple stakeholders involved. So owners, trainers, agents, investors. So there are a lot of people to go through um, that you have to discuss if you have a suspicion of neglect or abuse. With that too is a lot of these animals cost a lot of money. And so at the end of the day, corners might be cut and you know their clients are humans. So it is, it's hard to kind of compare how much veterinary services or feed costs with keeping a horse going in competition. So there are a lot of different issues involved there. It's also easy to hide cases of neglect or abuse. If I'm going into a barn to see one particular animal that might be owned by someone else, there might be other animals on property that might not be receiving care that I won't know about. So sometimes I'll have different owners at the barn call me with concerns. And then I have to find a way to tactfully see if there are issues going on. Thank you for that, Dr. Bennett. Mm -hmm. Let's conclude our session today by thanking our guests. Thank you again to Scott Sylvia, Dr. Albert Wimmers and Dr. Amy Bennett for an engaging discussion on abuse and neglect cases and the associated ethical challenges veterinarians face when confronted with such scenarios. It has been a truly thought provoking conversation. As mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this is one session in a series of six under the title, Protecting Animal Welfare in Today's World, Building Unity Through Understanding. Today was session four. The next session in the series will focus on animal welfare services in the province of Ontario. For access to the podcast at a later date, please visit www.cvo.org resources. Thank you for listening.